You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. We're feeling extra grumpy, extra cranky today. This is another game preview episode for another disaster of a season. Welcome to Giants football. You know something, Grump? This might be the worst week of my life. I am I am sequestered in my parents' house down in Tampa, Florida, we all know the Monday night debacle. Well, you people didn't get to sit and watch your baseball team get embarrassed for two games and get eliminated from the playoffs. You people probably aren't heading to Miami this weekend like I am to see a potential shellacking. I got to go up to Gainesville Saturday, and hopefully the Gators don't embarrass themselves against Vanderbilt. These are the dark times, Grump, and I know these are first world problems that you know three billion people on this planet could care less about me for, but... This has been rough for... I care, damn it. Thank you, my man. Fuck the other three million. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Giants at Dolphins. This is going to be... Um, you know, Giants... The Dolphins had a, um, I guess, a peak and valley two weeks. Uh, you know, near record-setting points scored in an absolute um, lambasting of... What was that, the Bears? Who'd they play? Or no, Denver. They they beat the Denver. Christ out of Denver. Denver. Yeah. Right. Um, and then handed, handed pretty pretty substantially by Buffalo the following week. Um, so here we are, the Giants, uh, after back-to-back Valley games, <laughs> uh, following the Rally game, a rally in two valleys. Um, an embarrassment on Thursday night against 49ers. An embarrassment on Monday night against the Seahawks. Maybe the 1 o'clock spot, which is not a spot they've played yet this year. Maybe this is the money spot. No. I mean, I think the best the, the best thing we have going for us is that the NFL tends to have some randomness to it. And is it a day that Miami just, you know, looks like crap and we play great and win? <laughs> I... We'll, we'll go into the uh, the what ifs and the matchups and everything, but I'm hanging my hope right now on, you know, craziness in this league. And as we we're recording this on, on Thursday night, Chicago is blowing out Washington in Washington. Uh, I don't think anybody of us could have predicted this, and you know maybe we get some of this kind of luck of alignment of stars that we come out and look. Maybe if we don't look good, Miami looks awful, and we can take advantage of cosmic fate. But that's all we're hanging ahead on. We're we're pretty we're in a bad place. The, the cosmos notoriously behind the twenty twenty three Giants this year. Um, <laughs> before we get into all that, uh, during this Just Giants game preview of the Giants and Dolphins, I will be drinking beer by Fort Nonsense. Whoa, holy shit! That really is going yeah, everywhere. God damn. Um, why am I promoting this beer for no money? We need a drink, baby. Holy shit, this really is all over me. This I didn't even shake this, it just exploded. Um, it was really full. 
Um, Just like our season did. <laughs> yeah, really. How, how apropos. Um, <laughs> Fort Nonsense Brewing is a relatively small company that makes a quality product, and they deserve advertising by word of mouth by satisfied customers. Uh, and that's not completely unlike this here podcast, the Just Giants podcast with me and the Cranky Fans. So follow my lead, guys. Have a nice beer by Fort Nonsense Brewing the next time you see one in the grocery store or liquor store or whatever. And tell a friend about the Just Giants podcast whenever they want to be more miserable about the New York Giants. Um, speaking of misery. Let's talk about nonsense. Let's go. We have to. Um, I don't like wasting time on podcasts with this, but this happened to line up with a game that's really not worth previewing too much we are going to but the ins and outs and how they can win this game not going to be a highlight the highlight is unfortunately evan neal in the news um so just a little bit of background uh evan neal responded to a reporter i believe it was daryl slater i'm pretty sure he's the one who wrote the article um when answering questions about his play etc um and being booed by fans he responded with a quote, why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of sheep, the person commenting on my performance? What does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Uh, additionally, he was, you know, he had some further comments. I'm not going to quote them all by quote because it wasn't worth writing down. You get the idea. He was asked, he asked, how can you be a fan if you boo, boo your team who is battling and the game isn't going well? Um, he later, very quickly after, uh, issued an apology via Twitter and uh, his phone and whatever. And then the next day, he said the comments were from frustration. He needs to play better. And he apologized for being reductive about other people's professions. Namely, I guess, concession people, whatever. I don't have a problem with him reducing um, unskilled labor for what it is. I mean, there's a reason that's cheap labor. The point he's making is that he's in the NFL, which means he's on one of the 32 only teams He's part of the select few, and therefore he makes a lot of money um, versus your common day worker of unskilled labor. I understand what he's saying. He doesn't have to apologize for being reductive in what he's saying. He has to apologize in saying um, anything about anybody else. Just because somebody has a different profession doesn't mean that you're good at yours. You're only in the NFL now. It's like one of the shortest professions anyone can have for normal reasons, let alone not really living up to your billing that's like evan neal is slowly becoming the oldest shittiest cliche in sports is he not this is the path um how can a fan boo when your team is battling and the game isn't going well because that's not why they're booing they're booing because you look the same you and other offensive linemen, etc., the offense in general, you don't look better than last year. You look worse. This isn't a isolated, we're not playing well today, how could you boo us? This is, you might be battling, but it it's not good enough, dude. It's not good enough. And that's not hard to understand. I know that it's very stupid. I sympathize a little bit with Evan Neal because the question, the line of questioning is the stupidest shit that happens in sports journalism. How does it make you feel when people, it's the dumbest question. You know the fucking answer. What you're trying to do is get him to do what he just did. So congratulations to, you know, I'm not being, I I don't think I'm being an ass. I don't really have a problem with them asking these questions. I just think it's boring and lame and lazy. Uh, but congratulations to whoever asked the questions. I think it was Daryl Slater. You got what you wanted. There's your story. Everyone talked about it this week. We'll continue to talk about it if he continues to suck, etc. Um, I didn't really learn anything from it, though. 
You found a man who was frustrated with himself just as much as everyone else is frustrated with him, and you caught him. Uh, it's a little weird to have comments taken out of frustration like 24 hours after the game is over. I feel like your period of frustration should be over in that you're not acting out of emotion anymore. But it's a dumb, annoying question, isn't it? Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts about this. Um, mine are probably different than what most fans and media people have. So just, um, just before you launch into it, my bottom line is this was a stupid line of questioning, but Evan Neal screwing up hand over fist. This is 100% on him. I can I can be annoyed at the media and also say that this is 100% his fault. Sure. Your okay. turn. So my general take is I really honestly don't care what athletes say and i really don't care that much much more what coaches say because 99 percent of it is canned statements vanilla statements that are meant to give little information and a little insight on what they're trying to do and the one percent of the time when they actually go off script or just say what's on their mind they get absolutely skewered for it um, Evan Neal is a 23-year-old kid who, for the first time in his life, is facing adversity. You know, I'm sure he probably went through high school with the world kissing his ass because he is a product of modern-day recruiting where, you know, from when you're eighth grade, you know, people are treating you special and you are dominant. And someone like him was a, you know, a huge recruit, huge five-star recruit. And, you know, played on a, you know, a, a fantastic Alabama team that barely ever lost, got picked high up in the draft. And for the first time in his life, things aren't going the way either it has been in the past or what he expects or what people have been, you know, blowing smoke up his ass for, even if he's not doing it. So how do you react to something like that? Probably like this. And he's going to learn that. Even that's what you believe, and what you believe is 100% what you believe and might be 100% true. You just can't say those things because we live in a gotcha clickbait world where that becomes the topic for three days straight with the Stephen A. Smiths and the Skip Baylesses and Twitter and even shows like this. We don't want to talk about this stuff, but it becomes the topic. Um as for what he actually said, I also, in the minority, um, Grump, we've been going to games together for a very long time, right? We've, Since like we've been 2010, I want to say, 2009, 2010. I, I think before the new stadium even opened, like that last year, we started going together. I think so, yeah. Sounds like we're dating how long we've been going together. Uh, how many times you've ever heard me boo? I don't know if I've ever actually heard you boo in any context even in jests not at a stadium right i mean you've heard me like you know i mean you get mad but I, yeah, yeah. but never never like an outward boo no the answer is i have never booed in my life to me booing is not constructive in the least thing we when fans boo believe me they're, I know they're showing their frustration, but trust me, the players, the coaches, the support staff, the cheerleaders, the Oregon player all know that things are going wrong. And it's, you know, 
football is a game of confidence. It's a game of momentum. It's a game of all of that. And as much as, you know, when you see get loud on the scoreboard because you want a positive uh, emotion, a positive uh, response to motivate your team, booing does the exact opposite. It makes a bad situation worse because you get more self-doubt, you get more frustrated, you hear that. Anybody who says, I don't hear the booze is full of shit. They're Helen Keller. Not true. So I do not believe in booing. I think it's, and and I just think he got, he's frustrated. He's frustrated that he's played very poorly for a year plus. He's frustrated that the fans are getting on him. He's frustrated that, you know, it's human nature. We were one of the toasts of the town last year. We made it to the second round of the playoffs. And, you know, one, two, three, four games later, five games later, we are now thinking about how do you salvage the season? What's the draft going to look like? And we've, and not only have we looked, we've lost, we are a joke. We are the butt of jokes. We are the butt of memes. We are the butt of, you know, the talking heads. And it's hard to deal with. So the only thing I can say to Evan Neal is I get it. I understand it. In some ways, I agree with you. But part of being a professional in professional sports and in this day and age is you have to be vanilla. You have to keep that stuff inside you, no matter how frustrated you are. And he'll learn from this. I mean, the best way to win the fans back is to be better. You know, you're not going to win them back with, canned apologies on Twitter. You're not going to get them back with a staged, you know, press conference or a sit-down interview with anybody. Just play. Get better. What's annoying is I think he knows that, right? Like, he's just, he's obligated to answer stupid-ass questions. And the the best thing in his quote response, his problem is that he just said too much. The one line he said was like, it's like, it was something along the lines of like, how would you feel if people didn't care or thought that this article sucked or something like that? I mean, it's true. Like, hey, dumbass reporter, what do you think? I went to Alabama. I haven't lost since high school. What do you think he thinks? Come on. And this is – the New York Giants have like 20 beat reporters. This is amateur hour beat questions. Now – that's wait, hang on, hang on. That door swings both ways. That's a waiter's door because this is amateur hour questions. What are we doing? Which means this is amateur hour answers, Evan Neal. You fucked up the easy one, man. That this is the I have to play better. You know, this is the one where you can give the same Marshawn Lynch answer after, 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 and just never stop saying it. And it's an acceptable answer because everyone understands these are dumb questions. So you know, he had the he had the um, the change up and he got tripped up. I just don't understand why we care what these guys think. I, I very honestly, if 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 we're not going to ask, if we're going to ask the question and be afraid of the answer, just don't ask the question and at all. I just, I honestly, I don't. And even if it's an answer like that, I just don't care what they think. I honestly, I don't, I don't I, give a fuck about I, a player's motivation. I don't need him to play for me. 
I just need him to be good. If he wants to be good because he wants a huge paycheck, I'm okay with that. If he wants to be good because he wants to be the best, I'm okay with that. If he wants to be good because he wants to win Super Bowls, I'm okay with that. If he wants to be good because he thinks New York deserves it, I'm okay with that too. I just want him to want to be good and always be working towards being better. Even if he's good, even if he's had a down year, even if he's injured, that's the only thing I ever want from an athlete is to be better every single year. I'm going to be 51 years old in, you know, next two weeks. I have gone I'm way beyond the fanboy stage of that I love players, I worship players, I have heroes for players. I would love to have good guys on my team. That's great. I'd love them all to say the right things and be good community guys and you know not beat their girlfriends and all that. So I'd love that. But at the end of the day, it's not reality, but okay. I, I, I'm saying in the perfect universe, <laughs> I'd also like to be I'd also like to be six three and a billionaire too. Yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is, I am a giant fan, and I'm rooting for my team to win. And you're you're right. You hit it on the head. How we get to, we are using these athletes. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, if these guys get surgery, have to have the face getting surgery. Is he going to be back in three weeks? You know, think about it is when if you had to have surgery for something like even if you broke your finger and you have to go in for like outpatient stuff, it's a major deal. None of us think that it's, you know, get the surgery, get rehab as fast as you can, you know, take a shot to numb the pain and get out there. And you know something we all kind of accept that. And that's it. We all we all want we want Saquon Barkley back as fast as possible. We don't care, unfortunately. Does it really hurt? Can he not? He's not playing because he's physically unable to play. He's playing with pain. He's doing things in time that's a fraction of how long it takes any of us to do. So, again, and, and, and you you kind of answer what I was about to say. It's like what the ends justify the means. If your motivation is I'm looking to get paid or something, fine. I'd rather almost, you know, if you have to tell me, tell me, but we shouldn't crucify the guy for telling me. I'd rather, we don't even bother. There's so much reporters can do. Like, think of all the good work of all, like, the best writers you know, the best shows you listen to, the best podcasts you have. How much of it is truly devoted to player interviews or analyzing what players say? Never. It's about X's and O's. It's about, you know, schemes it's about winning what this means what will happen if this happens that that is content that fans we really should be more focused on what guys think if you're not prepared to hear it it means nothing it's all gibberish so you know this this same thing happens every time somebody said something very nose gets put out of shit out of whack they got to do a canned apology it means nothing and we go on to the next guy say something silly and I don't know. I think everybody has to be better. And you're right. Don't give these silly questions. You know, give questions that actually people want to hear answers to. Can we pivot to Barkley since you brought him up? Sure. So it Barkley seems to be getting uh, team reps. Uh, I believe two days in a row he was limited in practice coming back from. Here, here's a circle back to the media thing. We all accepted that it was not a high ankle sprain. And then randomly, fuck our 25 New York Giants beat reporters. Random national reporter just asked a simple question to Saquon Barkley. Is it a high ankle sprain? Yes. Oh, okay. 
Uh, well, whatever. So he's getting reps. We've seen this before from Barkley coming back quickly from injury and being about sixty to seventy percent of himself. Um, is that what you expect here as well? Do you think he's going to play? Do you think he's going to come back earlier than he should? What What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Not necessarily just in the context of Week Five. I guess my thoughts with this are: Where do we think of this season? I mean. Do we think this season season is salvageable? Do we think that the salvage season starts right now? I mean, if we look at this season as do or dies this week and next week, I think you do whatever you can to try to win these games. And I think they may bring in, you know, is a Barkley at 75 or 80% better than no Barkley at all? Um I mean, that's a decision that Barkley has to make and the coaching staff has to make and the medical team has to make together. But, you know, we don't have the luxury of being three and one right now. And, well, let's wait another week for him to come back. I mean, if all goes as kind of expected, if this little, this gauntlet we have the next two weeks, this season, for all intents and purposes, for the playoffs, is over. It's done. I mean, and what are you playing for for the rest of the year? You're playing to incorporate, you know, keep incorporating what this offense and defense needs to be. You're trying to establish culture. You're trying to determine which guys on this roster are going to stick around next year. Are you going to, you know, there are players on this team that real hard decisions are going to be made, and we're going to be seeing if they're going to going to be around next year. Do we want to deal with the guys? Some guys that are underachieving when they have contracts coming up. So. I personally think that coaches try to win at all costs. I think that, you know, they still think there's a chance that the playoffs can be made. And, you know, we're, you know, as we're speaking, Washington, one of those teams that I'm going to have to fight for is getting rolled by Chicago. I think they're going to try to, they're going to try to get them out there because when we talk about our keys to the game, one of the biggest things for me is going to be, you know, as much time possession as possible. And that means running the ball and we really can't without Saquon Barkley. So I think they're going to make every effort to get him out there this week. And it may be a bent against best judgment for his recovery and his effectiveness. But I think that's better than nothing right now. I think I agree with you. I think the same thing is going to, I don't know if he's going to play. I'm not going to make a prediction on that because I think it's too early to come back. That doesn't mean he won't. It just means I don't think it's a good idea, but I do think that the coaching staff is going to make every effort to do it, and that makes sense to me. I mean, they're they're doing their jobs, and you know, and for nothing is... else, let them think he might be playing. And if they think he might sure. be playing, they got to spend time game planning for him. And any second that they're doing something that's not against what's most likely going to happen helps us incrementally, and that's what we need. My question to you is: Would it not be in Barkley's best interest? contract wise forget the injury forget the injury let's pretend he is 100% healthy but we don't know it for sure why not sit out the next two weeks and show that you had a higher do you think him not playing and the team looking terrible as a result uh, and then coming back and the team looking markedly better do you think that that inflates his contract value in this offseason? Or do you think just the fact that he can be franchised again means it doesn't matter no matter what? I, I think it matters. I think, I think the fact that he got hurt yet again. Hmm. Good point. Really, really offsets anything of like, look how valuable he is to this offense. 
And also because the fact that, you know, we don't have Andrew Thomas, we have all these things, you know, on the offensive line problems. We Daniel Jones is not taking the next step despite all the things, all the headwinds he's, you know, pissing into. I think the fact that he's hurt again, I think that really, really, that really hurts him going forward. Yeah. And I think, and not even on the open market, I think it hurts them within the building. I mean, you think so? I think within the building, I think it's now more clear than ever how important, if you're sticking with Jones, how important it is to keep Barkley. Uh, they're kind of on the hook for at least two years with Jones, almost three years with Jones. I mean, they can do whatever they need to do, but they're sort of tied to Jones for two to three years. Barkley only for this year. Uh, I think to me, to me, it looks like if you want what you paid Jones for, you have to. And I'm, I'm not one of these people like we paid forty million a year for this because I understand yeah, yeah. the cap is much, not. the cap is I, much more fucking. I know you're not. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they did pay him. It's not as if he got like some mediocre contract. They paid him, and if you want what you paid him for, you need a Barkley. It doesn't have to be Saquon Barkley, but it's got to be someone like him. It's got to be someone dynamic enough in order to get the most out of Jones. And he's got to be in the backfield because the threat of Jones running is what makes Jones in that position of you want to re-sign him versus we should get somebody else. Because on his own as a thrower, Jones is nothing special. Just accurate. This is the ironic thing, isn't it? That we all feel that running backs are overvalued in the marketplace and you know you shouldn't spend so much for them but in this instance saquon barkley or a saquon barkley equivalent is very very valuable to this team and the, but the thing is that the, this giants you know front office is gonna have to think about is as good as saquon barkley is do you want to roll the dice again that he might be only available for 11 games next year or 8 games or 3. Well, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to make this too much of the discussion because this is almost like off-season talk. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think from what I gather, from what I've observed thus far, I think that this front office understands the value that Saquon Barkley brings. They also understand the leverage they have over him and the NFL market. But I think in general, they view things the same way Buffalo does, which is you can spend second, third, fourth round pick until you hit on it. And it's a minimal investment. You're probably going to get something good. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't be. But you can get 80% of Barkley from a second round pick and it will cost you nothing. So I, I think that Barkley is still in the short term solutions for this team. But I, I at least hope the understanding is that for this two to three year window with Jones, to maximize what you want out of Jones, you need a dynamic running game. And if you ask me, they fucked up this year by not complimenting Barkley. By just bringing back Breda. Breda's great. I, I like Breda to need to replace Barkley from time to time. But there was there was a need, in my opinion, for a shakeup. A, a change of pace running back, something to complement Barkley in the backfield that other teams have that we don't, that did not need to be a high investment, in well, my I opinion. The, I think the problem is that because we are still really in rebuild mode and we still have to, a lot of depth issues we need to address, I think they rolled the dice and crapped out by hoping that 
Eric Gray drafted in the sixth round? Fifth, I think. Fifth round. That they can get that guy not in the third round or even second round, but lower. I get that. And and you're right. I think that's been lost in this is that it's been a long time since the start of the 2022 season. But the reality is, is that this is really year one and a half of the Joe Shane, Brian Dable regime. Remember, Joe Shane came in. He was working with a front office that wasn't really truly working with him, nor were they working on the equipment that he wanted. Like there was a huge huge upgrades to the front office in terms of equipment, staffing, etc. that happened after the 2022 draft. So, And go back to episodes we did in the offseason, and I said it more than once. You did, that definitely. I was afraid that the playoff success, people took their eye off the ball, that we're now going to do two things at once. Build on playoff success at the same time, there is a lot of work to be done with this roster. Depth-wise, and it's, you know... Brian wise too. You're right. That needs to be taken in context. However, it's okay for fans to be like, okay, but this looks worse than last year. And I would agree with you. That would agree with you because that was the point of this show this year was I don't care as much about the – I mean, of course I care about the record. But most importantly, I want to see this team look better, and they look fucking awful. They don't look better. They don't look the same. They look way worse. It's the things that they can control, they look worse. There yes, are a lot of things on this team right now they cannot control, but there are a lot of things that they can control. For instance, comments comments to the media, not. comments to the media, personal fouls, penalties in general, 10, 12 men on the field. I mean, they look bad. It's not like just the product. It's not just the teams they're playing. They look like a bad college team right now. They, they look don't like even... a team that comes in into Gainesville in early September, week two, that comes from some directional school and has to play an SEC power is what we look like right now. Quick question. Who did Florida play in week two of 2023? Was it McNeese? We played McNeese State. Ouch. Um, you mentioned Eric Gray. Mm-hmm. Special teams note for this week, Brian Dable said that Eric Gray will be returning punts again after his benching. Uh, if you noted, if you remember, in our week four preview, I said, special teams, just don't make mistakes. That's all I want from you. First punt of the game, what happened? That the one where Eric Gray dove and almost caused a fumble on a... Uh, yes. On a, yeah. That's correct. Um, so I'm going to reiterate, in order to win this game or even be competitive, no mistakes on special teams. I'm not asking Eric Gray to return a punt for 50 yards, score a touchdown, or do anything. I would like him to completely and easily complete a fair catch. That's what I want this week. We've now reduced ourselves to peewee level expectations, but we can only go up from here. Um, defensively in this game, this is really hard. Um, wait, 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 that's a good question. Um, I, if you asked me the way that this roster is constructed and the way they handled the offseason, I understand not wanting Sterling Shepard to be the starter back there coming off of an ACL injury last year. Another one. You know what I mean? I get that. But he should be the backup plan when Eric Gray needs to be benched, right? Not Adoree Jackson. 
Well, Especially since Adoree Jackson is clearly just like, I'm not feeling that. I'm not getting fucked up over this punt. That was either a stubborn thing or a coaching brain fart that would will keep me up at night. Yeah, I, I cannot. I, I'm like annoyed that I can't get over this. Eric Gray, Jay Sean Corbin, like the whole roster thing that I have an issue with. It's such a minor thing. And you tell me every year, like who gives a fuck about running back four, wide receiver six, the punt returner, special teams guys. And you're fucking right. You're right. And I can't get, let go of this because I think that this was a tragically mishandled, easy to solve situation. I do not think any of the 31 other teams gave a flying fuck if the Giants put Eric Gray on the practice squad. I really don't. And you know what? In the 5 to less than 5% chance that a team gave enough of a shit, do you care at this point, five weeks in, do you give a shit? I know that he can develop and that there's plenty of time for him, and I'm not trying to say that this version of Eric Gray is the forever version of Eric Gray. My point is... Could you not get somebody else just fucking next year if the worst, quote-unquote, the worst happened and someone else claimed him? I think well, you could have. Well, we, hindsight is twenty twenty, a little bit. We didn't uh, think, yes, we, we but didn't I called it out at the time. I did call it out at the time. Yeah, you did. You did. I mean, it's much easier to say now, Jesus Christ, no one's going to pick up this guy. And, you know, it's hard. You know, the great front offices, the great coaches – identify that they've made a mistake and they move on quickly from it. And especially this is a still a relatively young front office. It's still a coaching staff that, you know, Brian Dable, it's still his second year as a head coach. Uh, they are working through how to do these things. And I think, you know, these are kind of the growing pains of, you know, accepting that everybody comes into their first day on the job, no matter what you're doing, even if you're flipping burgers, like Evan Neal seems to think is not a real job. And you think, you know, everything you think that, you know, I got this job. I'm bringing with confidence. I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. And sometimes even if it's slapping you in the face, you don't realize you're wrong. And maybe for someone like Eric Gray, still it's, it's their first, like you just made the point. This is their first draft with their front office, their, their scouts, their talent evaluators, their. I honestly think that that, that led them to like this 2023 draft class more than the 2022 one. And in general, like these players more than they should. Yeah, I think it's very possible. It's, I, but I think though there's, okay, we've made the mistake. We're in this situation, but how do we rectify it? And again, Bringing in a Dory Jackson could, you know, make things out of control. You know, if we're just asking to make, if our baseline now is just fair catch a ball, Sterling Shepard, you know, if he had a bad ACL, he's coming back from that. We're not asking him to run, you know, 70 yards. We're not asking him to get blasted by a gunner. We're asking him to catch the ball. If you can't, go out there and catch a ball i love you sterling Shepard. you need to maybe flip burgers now because your career is over you can't be bubble wrapped you can't do anything you're taking an active roster spot you so, are on this team so do you and i agree sterling Shepard is capable of doing this job better than both adory jackson and eric ray if his job is to catch a fair catch a punt <laughs> if his job well is i'm just I'm, I'm asking gm i'm asking head coach cranky fan who yes. are you putting back their return upon? 
Right now, I would put Sterling Shepard in. Okay, I agree with you. 100%. Too much of a risk with the Dory, too much inexperience and incompetence with uh, Eric Ray. If Sterling Shepard gets hurt, then it's just time to elevate Cole Beasley. I, you have a backup for that that well, is well, that is comparable. You don't well, have a all, backup for a Dory that's comparable. First of all, how many how many uh, snaps is uh, Sterling Shepard getting? If how many how many targets is he getting? He's oh. not being you. He's not using it all right that, now. That so. that was that was addressed by Brian Dib- for 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 what it's worth. That question was asked after the Seahawks game. He has said, I think, midweek this week that he plans to get Sterling Shepard more involved. He was also more of the plan for Monday night, and because of injuries that happened within the green within the game, uh, and then uh, an adjustment of game planning, he didn't get in there like they had wanted. That look, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend it. I'm just telling you what was said when he he was. The media did its job and asked that question. I'll say that much. But that's not my point, though. My my point is, you know. We are worried about Adoree Jackson getting hurt because if he gets hurt, that completely changes the complexion of the secondary. There may be a plan going forward for Sterling Shepard, and there might have been a plan last week for Sterling Shepard, but to this point, there has been no plan for Sterling Shepard. And what is the risk to this team if Sterling Shepard, you know, Adoree Jackson got hurt, and the odds, you know, on a specific play of getting hurt are not that high. I mean, we don't want to put him in any risk at all, but the odds of getting hurt on a punt are not nine in ten. If you know, if he does get hurt at Sterling Shepard, our offense does not change one bit because he got hurt. And so I think you've got to put him out there and just. He's a veteran guy. He's got sure hands. He's smart. You know, fair catch versus let it, you know, go behind me and, and, and you know, not, not try to fair catch it like what Eric Gray did. And just be that. If you can't do that, I don't know why you're on this team. I'm, I'm with you. Um, my biggest concern in this game is defense, which is odd because uh, <laughs> I actually think the defense has in general played in general, played pretty well, especially when you consider like two of the most important positions are rookies, one of which is like a six-rounder. When you really put that in context and you're like, oh, they played the Cowboys and they played the 49ers and the Seahawks have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, etc. When you put that in, in, into context, the defense hasn't played poorly. I mean, I'm, it's nothing I would... It, it, we, it, we've, we've talked enough about how they haven't gotten pressures, they have no turnovers, etc. They they haven't been productive, but in the grand scheme of the three phases of the game, they've been the best by far. In the top five reasons why this team is one in three, defense, I don't even know if it's in the top five. Honestly. I don't, I, yeah, I think it's near the low end of the top ten, if I'm being honest. Right. Right. Um, but that being said, with Tariq Hill and Jalen Waddell, that is just so much speed to deal with. Now, ironically, the secondary, they've prioritized obtaining speed between Adoree Jackson, Deontay Banks, and Trey Hawkins. Those are three really fast guys. Um, So on paper, that's a good matchup. Uh, The inexperience doesn't help, though. So I still think that this is going to be really tough because Jalen Waddell is a really talented route runner. Tyreek Hill is uncommonly fast, even among NFL standards. And he kind of knows what he's doing. He's been with Tua for a couple of years. There's a connection there. He's a savvy guy. He does unpredictable things. This is going to be tough. But at least on paper, 
matchup wise 40 times etc like this doesn't look terrible dealing with hill and waddle a lot of other teams are going to have an, a more of an issue than us in terms of on paper matchups um the problem is that miami is able to mix that in with reliable guys like Smythe at tight end uh a chain and Mostert are really fast at the running back position ah i don't know this is really tough you have to be you have to deal with bracketing Tyreek Hill because he's the deep threat. You have to deal with the savvy route running of Waddle. Uh, you got two rookie corners to help you with that. And then you have two really fast, talented running backs to that force you to play responsible run defense with. It's a lot to ask. And it's not surprising that Denver allowed 70 on them because shit, man, after 40, who gives a hell? Really? I, um, I'm going to try to do an analogy here, and this may fail completely or it will make my point. I was down in Florida all week to watch my beloved Tampa Bay Rays in the playoffs. But unfortunately, because they were in the wild card, they had to play extra games. And playing extra games means there's a greater chance to lose games and a greater chance to get eliminated from the playoffs. And that's exactly what happened. To me, the only chance we have in this game, I think, is to minimize the chances for failure. So to me, it's not a question of the defense and how well they do. I'm flipping this on the offense. We have got to find a way to keep the ball as long as we can. We've got to get a way to run the ball with the point that we can get first downs we can have longer drives not necessarily to score every single time like this team will never win in a shootout with anybody right now but we have got to try to do our best to win time of possession field position and that's going to be it's on our offense because the more times they have the ball the more attempts that they try to throw downfield the more attempts to get to do his thing the more time these fast ride receivers have the potential to burn one of the, our, our young cornerbacks, the more chances they're going to succeed. And if we can't, if our offensive line and the scheming of this game plan and Daniel Jones and whatever running back, they just three and out, three and out. And it has to be if we're just doing little short little dinky passes and if they're incomplete, we're stopping clock and they're getting the ball back two minutes and seven seconds after they just had the ball after either scoring or hopefully punting. We have no chance. This has to be a game plan reminiscent to what the Giants did to the Bills in Super Bowl 25. We knew we were playing an all time offense. Now, we don't have that, you know. We don't have O.J. Anderson. We don't have that offensive line to be what they are. But the, our only chance to win that game was we ended up with time possession of 40 minutes to 20. And I don't know how we're going to do it. I am not an offensive coordinator. I am not Jesus Christ turning water to wine. But to me, the only way this can be done is to be efficient and control the clock. Try to do our best just to keep the ball out of their hands. Otherwise, we have no chance. Man, you're 100% right. And and in all that, when you sustain long drives and keep time of possession, 
makes your defense better. I know that like Giants fans really want the defenses of old. I don't know. I, I know that they can't stand the offenses of old of time of possession and running the ball. But to be honest, it helps the defense. When they know you're up by two scores and you just wasted 15 minutes off the clock on two drives, man, that puts some urgency on the other team. And that means throwing the ball. And that means pinning your ears back and trying to that's get when sacks. They, that's when they get boners, man, and they want to go after you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, unfortunately, you know, one of the things I think happens from this game, I, I, I hope happens from this game. I don't think the Giants going to win this game. I don't think it's going to be close. Here's what I hope happens. I hope this offense scores some fucking points. I want this offense to get some sustained drives together. I want them to score a couple touchdowns. That's it. Right now, we are at the baby steps phase. I don't want to say that. I don't want to think that. I don't want to be that. But we're at that point. It is is what it is, man. So, uh, unfortunately, I think they only score one touchdown. I think they almost score another, but they go for it on fourth. It doesn't work out. They kick two additional field goals, and they lose 38-13. to What's Cranky Fan's prediction? I was going to say uh, 38-7, <laughs> quite honestly. I think right now the problems on offense are, you know, Andrew Thomas is not going to play. That's correct. It is looking doubtful at this point. He did not practice as of Thursday when this is recording. And what is the status of John Michael Smith? John Michael Smith did not practice due to his shoulder injury sustained on the tush push. Oh. <sighs> So, you know, we are talking our two best offensive linemen are not playing again. And I just went on a whole little rampage of what we need to do. I just don't think we can do it, unfortunately. Uh, it, you know, even I think Barkley will be out there. But even if Barkley is out there, it's not going to be Saquon Barkley with a capital S and a capital B. It's lowercase Saquon, lowercase Barkley, is who is a shell of himself. And I don't think it's going to really do much of a difference. Um, you know, we're going down to Miami. It's go. It's it's been hot as hell down here. It, it's going to be hot. Um, there will be a lot of giant fans. In, cramps. In, in, a lot of cramps. A lot of cramps. That's right. Um, there'll be a lot of giant fans in, in, in attendance. Um, that always happens. I've I've been down there. I think this is going to be my fourth giant game down in Miami, and there's always been a lot of blue. But the the talent level we are facing, the uh, the shorthandedness that we have, I don't think we have much really at home. I think it's going to be a 38-7. I think it's really going to get ugly around here. And this is the, the real test of, you know, what is Brian Dable? What kind of a coach is he? Um, that this, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm putting him on any hot seat or anything like that, but is he going to be a coach like a Bill Parcells that, you know, this has to get to rock bottom and rebuild? Or is this going to be a coach that's going to crack like a Joe Judge did? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be the former, but I can handle losing. You know, we are playing, we played three of the probably four best teams in the league in the last month or so. I just don't want to look ridiculous. And a man in my position cannot afford to made to be look ridiculous. So this is, the goal is to be just make this a game, make this something where you can say, all right, this team hasn't quit. This team isn't a bunch of buffoons, clowns in a, in a, in a, in a clown car. 
I just want to see semblance of a football team that's come in prepared. What the fuck are you talking? You you want to see a semblance of that, and you're predicting thirty-eight to seven. What are you even talking about right now? That's what I want to see. It's not going to happen. Why are you going on and on about it? <laughs> I can still say what I want to see. That's uh, my goal. I, I I get it, man. But you were yeah. you were that's not going to happen on this day. I I don't think so either. But I mean, that's I'd rather have it. Like I said, I fact that I predict is going to happen. What I'm hoping for is something where. Even if we are kind of like a, we've lost by two or more touchdowns or something, it's not because we are handing them scores and just making us memeable. I want us to just we lost because a better team beat us, not because we helped a better team make it an absurd, you know, farce. Hopes and predictions are two different things. Yeah, Washington and Chicago squaring off right now. <laughs> I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie about it. I I had Chicago winning the game not because uh, Chicago's been really bad, but just because of the way Chicago uh, Washington played Philly last week. I really thought Washington was gonna continue on that. Uh, it's twenty seven fourteen right now. I don't think that's gonna. I, I don't think Washington's gonna win anymore. But I'll be honest and say I predicted them to win. You? I did. I did too. But you know something? They're two touchdowns down. Yeah, and, Chica- and Chicago is awful. Yeah, it and it could it could swing right now. Do you trust Justin Fields with a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter? I sure don't. I mean, I would do you not trust take- Sam Howell down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Chicago more Maybe. than I would against uh, you know even against like us for example. Sure. So, I'm not going to predict that my Washington is coming back, but I would not be surprised at all. I, I um, think at this point Chicago wins. They have a defensive head coach. Playing from behind is not really a rookie quarterback's forte. I don't know. That's just kind of how I think right now at 10 p.m., yeah. 10.30. Yep. Dallas is uh, traveling to San Francisco on Sunday night football. Probably should have saved this Woo. one for last. I, I have San Francisco winning this one. I, I think right now they're in a rhythm. I think they have a solid defense against an offense that I think is ho-hum at best. I think that San Francisco has a functional, strong, well-coached offense that's rhythmic and a well-oiled machine, even if it's not high-flying like Miami or Buffalo. Uh, And even though Dallas has – I mean, Dallas is dealing – this is only their second week with Trayvon Diggs. I don't know – that they're really ready to enter back into a flow defensively against a, such a good team right now. I think this is San Francisco. I think San Francisco, right as of right now, is the best team in the league. They're at home. Um, this might be one of the few states. I could be completely wrong on this one. You know, San Francisco is a little bit of a weird town, but this may be one of the few places where you know there's a lot of Dallas fans in, in the stands. Um, I think San Francisco wins this one. I think they're winning this one rather convincingly. I think they win by um, at least two touchdowns. And at 1 o'clock, Philly is traveling to Los Angeles, another NFC East team in California. The Rams hosting Philadelphia. Rams are a weird team. I, I, I This was hard. This was hard. I'm going Philly, but I think this game might be really close. I agree with you. This is a weird one. Um, the Rams are getting four and a half points in this, and I have a hunch they are going to cover. Um, Philly isn't quite Philly just yet. I mean, that's still. Should... I would say I'm, it's a little surprising that it's still right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they are. 
I still think they're one of the better teams in this league, but they are not they are not in San Francisco's plane right now. And you know, going on the road, going cross country after a tough divisional game, um they're not there yet. If this game was later on in the season and Philly kind of got its mojo back, I would absolutely say, you know, Philly rolls on this one. But I have a gut feeling that the Rams will cover. I think Philly's going to win by a field goal. And uh, not a last-second field goal to win. I think it's just going to be they're never going to pull away. And it's just going to be, you know, pretty close, nail-biter-ish. So I'm going to say they win by three. That's going to do it for an episode. I, I'm going to be watching this game on Sunday uh, with minimal hopes and uh, a full belly. Really good. Time. I'm going to focus on my food spread so that I have a good time watching them lose. Uh, and then we will have an episode for you on Tuesday morning, right? Uh, and, I, and yes, and I will. I have another doubleheader this weekend. I will be in Gainesville on Saturday for the Florida Vanderbilt game. And then I jump in a car and I am driving to Miami. So I will be at the Giant Dolphin game. So. Grump and I will have two different perspectives on this one. I will be in the stands. He will be on TV. So if you are going to Miami, we have a little bit of a tailgate going on in the gold parking lot. There'll be some giant fans there with me. So hit me up on Twitter at the cranky fan, uh, you know, DM me and uh, let me know if you're down there and I'd love to meet up with you before. So, and if we, if really, and if we lose to Vandy, I will be in a rip roaring pissed off mood and you will hear diarrhea from the mouth of aggravation from the worst sports week of my life but hopefully we don't get there and we can focus on the task at hand on sunday so hit me up if you're going down there i hope you guys all enjoy the game on sunday whether you're visiting the cranky fan at the tailgate or not and we will see you all tuesday morning for a review episode of the week five matchup with the dolphins on itunes soundcloud spotify and of course youtube until then we will see you tuesday morning go giants, go giants.